following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Episode 826 of I Doubted Podcast. I am your host, Jetsy Dollamore, joined today by the lovely, talented, and scholarly, yet mourning, Brittany Page. Well, let's not, let's not get into that just yet, because I want to start the show with a PSA. And the PSA has nothing to do with the queen being dead. I don't want to get into uh, the emails that we've been receiving about Jesse D's tweets about the Queen. <laughs> but we've gotten several. People are unhappy. He's hemorrhaging followers on Twitter left and right. <laughs> uh, are you not? Uh, I have no... I actually have not looked. Let me look real quick. Okay, I don't know. I don't even have an actual count. Yeah, so seriously, before we get into the queen stuff and everyone being... The queen stuff. ...upset about the queen stuff, the the PSA that I want to get to is this situation that I've been dealing with for the past few weeks where I got a ticket in the mail that was forwarded to me from my California address. So now's the time I can just go downstairs and get myself a drink while you're yes. telling the yes. story. Yes, because this is a this has been... It is a nightmare. It has been a nightmare, and I'm not sure that people would know how to handle the situation because everyone that I've encountered that was supposed to help me with this situation yeah. didn't know how to handle this situation. Or just wouldn't do it. Yeah, sure, whatever. Because it's a nightmare involving not only cops, but also the fucking DMV. Yeah, so I got a ticket in my name that was for a car that I've never owned and for license plates that I've never had in my possession. And it was from the Anaheim Police Department, and they wanted me to pay this ticket. And I thought to myself, okay, I've never owned this car. I don't I don't know what this is. What the hell's going on? So I, I start trying to figure it out. Back in January 2021, I bought a new car. I traded in my car, got a new car, and the dealership lost my plates somehow, my new plates for my new car that I was supposed to to get. Don't know what happened there, but I never ended up getting them. So they ordered me replacement plates, and I received them, put them in my car, everything was fine. Well, apparently the plates that I never received ended up in someone else's hands, and yet they were still registered to my name, to yeah. my address, and they just slapped them on their car and then started getting tickets in my name yeah. with my license plates that I never had in my possession. Multiple parking tickets. Wasn't there like a street sweeping one, too? Like just tickets, lots of tickets. Yeah. And luckily, I still have my mail forwarding on, so I'm getting the tickets and I'm able to challenge them. But Which when is I- real great for your... Brittany Page levels of anxiety. Sure. Yeah. Fantastic just to add just a couple more things to worry about. Love that someone's out there committing crimes in my name. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sending all these letters like I live in D.C. now. This is when I moved. It doesn't even make sense. It wouldn't be possible for me to have gotten these tickets. I've never owned this car. I've never had these license plates. 
I'm told that I need to have a DMV investigator assigned to my case, that they will solve the problem. They will do an investigation, figure out what happened with the plates, disassociate me from the plates. My DMV investigator is unbelievably worthless, couldn't care less about what I'm going through has too many cases. Can he I, says. Can I do an impression <laughs> of your DMV investigator? Yeah. Well, that can't be it, little lady. That's it. That's all I got. Uh, that's yeah. That's good because. Well, listen, little lady. That's not what it is. Yeah, because I tried to explain to him early on the first time I talked to him that hey, when I bought a car, they lost my plates, and maybe those are the plates that this person has on their vehicle well little lady that's pretty unlikely little lady and then instead what happened is that's exactly what happened yeah (laughs) i went back in my email and found that that's exactly what happened those those plates matched up so anyway i go through this process and like you said the person that was most helpful to me was a police officer in irvine i had to call around to different police agencies He, he did indeed laugh at you at one point He did laugh at me because he said, so you're reporting license plates that are stolen that were never in your possession. And I said, yes, because they're being used in my name for violations. Yeah. What else am I supposed to do? And he said, well, the DMV is supposed to do an investigation and just disassociate you from these plates. And I said, yeah, but they're not. And he's like, oh, okay. So they're passing the buck to me. Sure, whatever. Work it out with the DMV. Yeah, I don't bro. I don't know. Can we just file this police report? So if this happens to you, if you buy a car, you never get your plates, they end up lost, and the dealership says, we'll file a replacement with the DMV and get you new plates, you need to file a police report on the plates that you never received. Because... <laughs> You could end up in a situation like I'm in now, having to make all of these phone calls all the time to get your name cleared. It's pretty resolved now, though, right? Well, it should be. That's the thing. Now that there's a police report, the hope is next time this car gets stopped, that these plates will be taken from them and that they can't have whoever's driving around with these plates that are in my name that I've never had. They will hopefully take them away and not allow them to get tickets in my name anymore. I'm unconvinced that that's going to happen. Well, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Why would you say that? They're going to frame you for murder. <laughs> <laughs> I, again, the the cop in Irvine was very confused. He said, I've never really heard of something like this happening. I And he said, I, I mean, I guess I've heard of plates being used in this way, but not plates that you've never had. Like, usually you would have had them on your car and then they get stolen not ones that you just never received. Yeah, I so. think it's something probably shady with the dealership. I have no evidence of that. Mm-hmm. And I don't need a lawsuit from Tustin Toyota. Okay. <laughs> yes. But uh, they were very unhelpful, too. They were very unhelpful. Yeah. yeah, everyone has been pretty unhelpful. Except for the cop in Irvine who laughed at me. Which, thank you for taking my police report over the phone. That was nice. So this episode brought to you by Tustin Toyota and California DMV. Good times. You know... I, I had my moment, Jesse, so you need to have your moment. You're still banned from TikTok. It's been taking up a lot of bandwidth for you. It has not been taking up bandwidth. We You're doing the same thing I'm doing, making all these phone calls, except for you're just sending emails to all these different TikTok customer <laughs> service accounts. <laughs> please let me back on, please. Is it working? Have you made progress? No, still permanently banned. Um, it is interesting, though, 
that I'm on TikTok now that I don't have a TikTok account. Like I, I do have one because it just like automatically created me one when I tried to log on to my account. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how it's like user one two six five seven eight two one. I'm like a bot on Twitter. Nice. And so I do have an account that I can access, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> When I get back, when I was on, when I had an account that was active, I was on TikTok a lot more than I'd like to admit. Mm-hmm. Now that I don't have an account, I'm just never on it. Yeah. So are you a cancel culture bro now? No. I'm confused. No, no, no. Uh- oh, do you think I'm like I'm canceling them because they canceled me? No. I Are you concerned about being canceled? No, Is that- I don't fucking care. Okay. But you want your TikTok back. <laughs> yeah, I would like my TikTok back. Yeah. I had like $200 in the in the TikTok bank. Well, I mean, you're you're downplaying a lot of your feelings right now, but there was a video that you put up recently about your TikTok ban, and I think it's important that we play it here. A few weeks ago, the wise folks <laughs> at Twitter deemed it necessary to suspend my access to that platform. Despite the fact that I had several million followers, despite the fact that I had used the platform in good faith, despite the fact that I had put in the years of time and effort necessary to gain such an extensive following, despite the fact, as well, that I was a genuine force on Twitter, trending with a rather appalling and frightening degree of regularity. In many ways, I'm your monster. Oh. I am not that fucking guy (laughs) are you kidding me so if you don't know that's jordan peterson continuing to complain about his twitter ban even though he's not banned now it's been months because he he deleted the tweet and then posted a screenshot of it of the tweet yeah yeah i think i think he must still be banned i'm not following it that closely because again i have only so much energy and i can only dedicate it to so many things so I think the ban is likely still in place or maybe they lifted the ban to bring him back on Twitter because he deleted the tweet, but he's not tweeting and saying that he's still banned to keep it in place Yeah, it because looks, he didn't want to act like he deleted the tweet, even though he did end up deleting it. It looks tweet. like he's still banned. Yeah. Yet continuing to whine on the Daily Wire about his ban and how he was a good faith user and Twitter owes all of its success to him because he created so much interest or whatever the fuck he was talking about there. Well, what I love about this video is that he continues to go on and on about his accolades on Twitter and how it's wrong that he was banned. But he also expresses his frustrations with what people are allowed to say on Twitter, which is... Like, the reason that he got banned, because you can't say certain things on Twitter, which I'm assuming he's against because he wants to be back on Twitter, and yet he's really (laughs) upset about how people can just write whatever they want, like LOL, for example. The fact that you so casually enable that tiny minority of cowardly anonymous people who have nothing better to do than cause trouble by generating and promulgating the kind of derisive, contemptuous, L-O-L, L-M-F-A-O, bro, bra, dude, comments that would get anyone who dared utter even one of them in person to their targets immediately punched in that mocking, cowardly, self-aggrandizing face. 
Can I pause it there? I mean, I just did, so. Is it not a laughable prospect that fucking chicken leg, turkey-armed Jordan Peterson is talking about punching people in their faces? Over LOL. (laughs) They wouldn't say LOL to my face. Well, that's because no one says LOL in real life, you dumb fuck. They wouldn't say LMAFO with their smug coward face. I'd punch it. Mm -hmm. I might snap my arm off at the bicep, but I'd give it a whirl. Means that your platform represents a signal threat to the integrity of the discourse upon which the stability of your country and the mental health of its youth depend. A very small minority of truly misbehaving people pose a constant threat to the integrity of society, as they eternally have, and your electronically mediated communication system, with its ultimately and oh-so-morally but exceedingly carelessly flattened social hierarchy, where anyone whatsoever, even someone who bears no responsibility and who wishes to continue that way, can say anything whatsoever to anyone they choose in any manner whatsoever. He did that! I mean, even with the, the comment about the, the fat lady on the cover of the, of the magazine. Like, what, what's the fucking... You are the thing you're describing, you little weakling. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, he's talking about these people who pose a threat to society. He's using that phrase. Yeah. Like your the people electronically moderated, meatily little who are mocking, like they're just trolls. He's really concerned about the trolls, but not people like him who cultivate a cult following. Right. Who he has cultivated his own army of trolls. Right. What I love about the punching people in the face that say LOL or LMAFAO. Yeah, I think so. Laughing my fucking ass off. Yeah, I had to figure it out in my head that. He, I wonder where he stands on punching a Nazi, for example. Oh, he's very passionate about wanting to punch people in the face. Squelch the discourse, Brittany. Yeah, they they mock Jordan Peterson's tweets on Twitter, and he wants that banned. He wants that to stop. That's a threat to society. But the like punching a Nazi in the face. Where does he stand on that? I hope that this 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 creates a a, a new trend. Anybody who comes face to face with Jordan Peterson, or at least with an earshot starts ranting LOL and LMFAO in his ear, in his face, just to see if this traditionally masculine man will punch them in the face. Well, Jesse, like we said, the the queen died. and That was a hell of a segue. Well, this speaks to Twitter because you're causing some controversy on Twitter. Uh, and yeah. I, I think some people want to punch you in the face, actually. I think there's a lot of people who want to punch me in the face. I think we got an email from someone who wants to punch you in the face. Oh, yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's read the email. Greetings from Ireland. I initially set out writing this mail following episode 824 and got caught up with other things and felt it would be so out of date I'd leave it. However, something happened since then that has moved me enough to complete this by rewriting. I wonder if you would consider Jesse D for asshole of today. Hmm. The reason I suggest this is as a result of events in the last 24 hours. Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II has her, her Majesty has just passed away when he sent a tweet that was somewhat uncalled for and was I feel insensitive to the grief of a family and a nation. 
Regardless of how anyone feels about the monarchy, whether for or against it, Queen Elizabeth did not oversee the subjugation of people and waging of wars. This is ascribing powers to her that have not existed for a long time. Unlike the American style of government where the president fulfills both the role of head of state and government, the queen was solely the head of state with no powers of government other than symbolically signing legislation into law. Parenthetically. False. Ireland has the same principle of government, but using a president. Her majesty believed in the power of Her people. Her majesty. Her majesty believed in the Her po- majesty. I'll skip that part then. Believed in the power of people and nations talking together to better the world. Parenthetically, something. Held up to the thousands of Kenyans who were put away into camps and tortured and killed. Stop it. Something lacking in America for a while between certain dates. When she was crowned in 1952, she was the first monarch in centuries not to rule the entire island of Ireland. In 2011, she was the first British monarch to visit the Republic of Ireland, a visit during which she laid a wreath and paid respect to those who had given their lives in the cause of Irish sovereignty. She opened her speech at a dinner in Gaelic, a language she would never have been taught. She offered her sympathies for the difficulties of the previous eight centuries. She also oversaw the growth of the Commonwealth to its present 54 nations. Does all of this sound... Wait, 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 wait. That's a positive thing? That she oversaw the growth of the Commonwealth to 52 nations? That's a positive? Does all... Continuing with the email... Jesus fucking Christ. Continuing with the email, does all of this sound like a woman who carried on the sins of her distant predecessors, crushing people beneath her heel? I'm Irish, so I may have some of what I say above wrong, but regardless of that, she has pledged on her 21st birthday to devote her whole life, whether long or short, to the service of her people, little knowing that a few short years later she would have to take on a much more burdensome service, one which she fulfilled for over 70 years right up until hours before her death. I respect Jesse's political commentary and his no-punches-pulled approach to all sides of the spectrum. I hope he may be... butt coming. I hope he may be able to expand to international affairs at some point and love the podcast for its weird and wonderful discussion. On this one occasion, I felt a little disappointed by Jesse and he could perhaps have articulated his view in a less harsh manner. That That is correct. Love the show. You're the best part for now until I see how sweepy develops. Des. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. That was the letter was addressed to you, so he's talking about you being the best part. So, uh, well, listen, Des, um, you, you absolutely got a few things wrong there, and and I'm going to read the tweet and I'm going to talk about this a little bit. Um, the the Queen has royal prerogative. The Queen doesn't isn't just some ceremonial position. She she is absurdly, ostentatiously wealthy, and she also doesn't just have influence on the government. And its actions. The queen can dismiss a prime minister. So when actions are being taken by the government through the legislation that she approves or disapproves, she can dismiss a prime minister. How many prime ministers did she dismiss? I, I, I'm not going to insert them, but Those are crickets playing in your head. The queen, listen, let me just read the tweet first. So Andrew Sullivan tweeted, I'm trying to write a column and I find myself in tears 
I fear that everything she exemplified, restraint, duty, grace, reticence, persistence, are disappearing from the world. And I retweeted it with comment and said, like clockwork. Meaning? Well, just like these characters are now coming out of the woodwork to talk about their tears. Oh, how wonderful and and um, benevolent that the, the Queen of England was. And when you say these characters, you're specifically talking about? Like people like Andrew Sullivan, people like uh, all the people on the right right now, Benny Johnson, all these people are, are doing this very thing who are conservatives, mm-hmm. who like respect the monarchy or something. And then I thought about it, better of it, and I I didn't want it to just be a dickish comment about, oh, yeah, like clockwork, people are going to mourn the queen. Mm-hmm. And I followed it up with, don't get me wrong, a human being died. There is an inherent sadness in that. Let's resist the urge to ascribe a bunch of aspirational qualities to this royal who oversaw terrible suffering and subjugation of people who weren't as lucky as her in life. It seems Yeah, I'm not mocking her death. Mm -hmm. But she was a lucky rich lady who oversaw the literal subjugation of millions of people in countries that weren't hers, i.e. Kenya, and so many others. And then I had responses to this. This is where it, it, people freaked out, telling me, how dare you? They answer my claim of the royal subjugation with sheep had the, the royal doodly-doos with their weird hats played the, the American national anthem on 9-11. How dare you? Well, I'm sure the millions of African women and children are very appreciative that the American national anthem was played on 9-11. I'm not saying she subjugated me. Did these people really think I was going to be a, oh, God save the king. (laughs) No. I'm in no way in support of the monarchy. Or rich fucks in general. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Did she do some good things in her life? Invariably. Without doubt. Did she also oversee a time when Britain did terrible fucking things? For Andrew Sullivan, a man who would have been chemically castrated in England for being gay during the beginning of her reign as queen, just calm the fuck down. Well, and I've I've read, too, that one of their roles is to remain somewhat politically neutral. I don't know if that's true. But that's traditionally also, that's also a problem remaining politically neutral absolutely on many different issues and I don't follow the royal family I don't I don't know a ton about it we tried to watch the crown I, I can't I can't really get myself to care a lot about it I wish I did I probably would be smarter and able to say something useful here you'd know all about her Nazi fucking uncle and so I think that well on that issue of race though and again I haven't followed the royal family stuff with like Harry and Meghan but Meghan and Harry left the royal family like resigned from their royal duties I think in part at least partially because of the 
racist attacks on her and exactly how how they couldn't take the pressure anymore and that would be something for example that like the family could unite around her and say the racism needs to stop the queen could have given a statement and i don't know if that happened but they could have probably done more i'm assuming because they ended up making a a choice to leave yeah listen what really irritated me with the response and i don't mind being criticized fuck criticize away was it insensitive yeah maybe a little bit yeah okay Don't come at me with, oh, Jesse, it's, she has no power. Well, what would the Queen of England be able to do about all of these many problems that were created and continued by the British Empire? Well, she is the Queen of England. And even if you believe incorrectly that she has no political power, you would have to admit that she has tremendous influence. Right. So anyway, you know, I understand that that it's a raw thing right now, and maybe my timing was a little off. That's why I sent the second tweet, talking that she died, a human died. That's terrible. I'm sure her family is absolutely in mourning. But let's not get all fucking misty about, or, or whitewash the history of the horrors of Great Britain, which doesn't, by the way, extricate the United States from our horrors. We're fucking terrible, too, but let's face it. Anyway. Well, get ready for a replay whenever any, like, George W. Bush dies. I mean, get get ready for all of these same things to happen on Twitter where... People are criticizing the legacy of a person. People are saying now is not the time to criticize a legacy of a person. I mean, this happens even within families when an abusive person dies and you have family members that are like, yeah, I don't really care that they're dead. In fact, good. I'm glad they're dead. And then some families like, whoa, they just died. You shouldn't talk like that. It's like, well, let me tell you what they did. You know, Um, I think as a society, we're used to performing civility in the face of death yeah absolutely and i'm not sure that that is useful all the time uh, especially for people that have been harmed by those that have died and so i think you know if you feel it's important to remain civil in this case think about a person in your life that has done you harm that you might be happy when they're dead or relieved when they're dead maybe not happy celebrating i'm not talking about that but just relieved you wouldn't necessarily comment positively on it at all that's a great distinction by the way i wasn't celebrating like i've seen a lot of celebrating that she's dead Mm -hmm. Uh, that's not my jam i didn't do that Mm -hmm. i'm just looking at it clear-eyed yeah let's not put on queen elizabeth uh, a bunch of qualities that are over the top to whitewash the history of the kingdom that she reigned over for 70 years as its monarch, as her her God's anointed ruler of the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, come the fuck on. So, Des, sorry about how you emailed us and wanted Jesse to be asshole of today. And unfortunately, he's he's not. I am not. He's not going to be <laughs> asshole of today. Uh, no, I'm asshole every day. I am an asshole. I'm fine with that. But we we accept your nomination, and we're just not going to do anything with it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> 
It'll be perpetually under consideration, Des. Yeah. We appreciate it. <laughs> so, uh, listen, we'd love to know, where am I on this? Where do you put me on this? Yeah, there's nothing that I want more to continue talking about the Queen. So please, no, send no, us no, more. No, it's not talking about the Queen. It's talking about Jesse D. <laughs> oh, okay. Good, good. We definitely want to talk more about Jesse D. Okay. 657-464-7609. And of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, Megan M. Megan M. Tom. Tom. William G. William G. J.B. J.B. Asheville M. Asheville M. Tamara P. Tamara P. Jennifer G. Jennifer G. Thank you so very much to our new Patreon supporters. We could not do what we do without you and your support. Well, you missed one. QE2. Queen Elizabeth. (laughs) Okay, I... We're we're done with that. Yeah, we're done. All right. So thank you to the Patreon supporters. I forgot where I was. And oh, we're waiting on the (laughs) we're waiting to hear back from everyone who won the contest because I'm going to put in the order for the the Teespring merch at the same time. I'm going to have it come to me first because I want to, in the merch package, put magnet stickers, like, you know, make it a full package and then send it off yeah, to all yeah, the winners. Yeah. So I'm still waiting to hear back from two people. And once I hear from them, I will put the order in and I'll keep everyone updated when I place the order, when it goes out with shipping. You should have it by the end of this month. So just to keep you in the loop on that for the, the contest winners. And we will be prepping our end of the year Patreon gift. We're planning to have that completed by the end of the month as well. And then we'll announce what it is shortly after that. So look out for those very exciting things coming up for Patreon supporters. And again, thank you so much for supporting the show. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So we have ongoing frustration with CNN, and we talked a little bit about one of their journalists that departed shortly after Brian Stelter and how there's this purge going on because of the new CNN president who is is doing a strategy shift and kind of shaking things up over at CNN. And we've continued to see the consequences of this. I mean, we are certainly watching CNN less. We typically have news on in the house if we have the TV on, if we're not watching Deadwood reruns. and <laughs> Which is something we're doing right now. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm really seeing this, the direction that CNN is going in coming through multiple different shows. For example, I watched Jake Tapper the other day. He did a segment featuring a woman in Texas who had a doctor that told her like she shouldn't get pregnant in Texas. And he started out by saying, we're going to move beyond the politics of this discussion yeah. and go to talking about abortion in Texas. 
There's no way to go beyond the politics of that discussion. That discussion is politics. It is political. And to say that we're going to go beyond politics and then cut to a package about how people that are living in Texas are being told not to get pregnant in Texas because it's dangerous. Yeah. That's absurd. Yeah. It's absurd. So we want to play John Harwood, the journalist who departed shortly after Brian Stelter, because the the last words that he said on air on CNN, I think, are very powerful and maybe something we want to consider as we're consuming media, especially from CNN, going into election season. Oh, look, they are standing by the message that President Biden offered. Of course, it was a political speech. We're ta- in a midterm reelection year. Uh, the issues that he's talking about are inherently political. But I think it's also important to say that the core point he made in that political speech about a threat to democracy is true. Now, that's something that's not easy for us as journalists to say. We're brought up to believe there's two uh, different political parties with different uh, points of view, and we don't take sides in honest disagreements between them. But that's not what we're talking about. These are not honest disagreements. The Republican Party right now is led by a dishonest demagogue. Many, many Republicans are rallying behind his lies about the 2020 election and other things as well. And a significant portion or a uh, sufficient portion uh, of the constituency that they're leading attacked the Capitol on January 6th violently by uh, offering pardons or suggesting pardons for those people who violently attacked the Capitol, uh, which you've been pointing out uh, numerous times this morning. Donald Trump made Joe Biden's point for him. And again, just a reminder on that point about the pardons for the January 6th terrorists who uh, insurrected the Capitol. It wasn't just pardons. It was also to offer an uh, apology, which would indicate that they are being wronged, right. that they are not indeed guilty, right. um, that they are being persecuted right. unjustly. So this is what we should be hearing. I mean, they're trying to both sides democracy. Yeah. And that's that's what's scary about the media trying to have a quote unquote balanced approach. There's no balanced approach on this issue. You have the facts and then you have things that are not facts. And the fact is that Donald Trump is a threat to democracy and the MAGA faction of the Republican Party is absolutely a threat to democracy. And also, by the way, the Republicans who do not consider themselves MAGA Republicans, but who are not doing enough to speak out against Trump and the MAGA Republicans are also a threat yeah, to silence, democracy. Silence is complicity. And so start catching this when you're consuming media, this tendency to both sides, what's happening with democracy right now. Jesse, you made a note. We were listening to a local news package about the governor's race in Texas and the journalists doing the reporting there. This wasn't CNN, but they said that both Beto and Abbott, Greg Abbott and Beto O'Rourke, have been accused of are being, accusing each other of being radicals, of being radicals. And they just let that hang out there. Like, let's report what they're being accused of and not give context for yeah, what it puts them means. both on, on on even playing fields when it is just not factually correct that their positions are both, could both be considered radical. Absolutely not. I mean, it's, it's along the same lines of, uh, yeah, democracy in the United States is great. What a great model. But yeah, have you heard from the other side? They're saying, 
literally fuck democracy. Let's elect, quote unquote, elect a dictator, as Nick Fuene said uh, last week. These people want to destroy American democracy. And if the media covers it as though it's a valid point of view, they're not just doing a disservice. They're working in service to the fascists. You know, I just had a memory. This happened when Donald Trump was running or maybe shortly after he won. I don't know. But I had a Facebook friend. This was back when I was doing a lot of debating online, which I don't do anymore. And I had a Facebook friend whose kid got involved in this discussion about Donald Trump and used the phrase, let him be a dictator if he wants to. Yeah. And I remember when I posted this for people to see like what we're dealing with when it comes to Trump supporters, a lot of people were like, "Mm, what's the context for this? I bet this person didn't mean it the way that they wrote it. I bet you're kind of taking this out of context, uh, making all these excuses. And then here we are. I mean... I think from the very beginning, we had Trump supporters who were ready to have him be what he has become. Yeah. And and here we are with the media not doing enough to to stop. I mean, we're embroiled in a white hot fucking hell right now related to Donald Trump. It's gotten if you didn't think it could get worse because of the uh, uh, after the insurrection, after the attempted overthrow of the United States government by way of overturning a free and fair election where the victor won by 7 million plus votes, if you thought that was the worst, here we are with Donald Trump having possession of foreign nations' nuclear capabilities in some of the most top-secret documents that are available to anyone. Documents that no more than two dozen people in the entirety of the United States have um, access to. And he has them unsecured in his office at a country club. And why? Why does he have those? Is he trying to sell them to the highest bidder? Is he... It's not... I don't believe it's just an ego play for him. That, oh, look at this. I've got this. I'm special. I don't think it's that. I think it's more sinister than that. I think that this Eileen Cannon, the judge, who uh, the DOJ finally just um, appealed her decision on the special master thing, I believe it's, it's very likely, at the very least, it is likely that They put her there in that jurisdiction in Florida because they knew they'd be bringing cases before her and they would have favorable outcomes. I don't think it's a stretch. I don't think it's conspiratorial thinking to say that. Mm -hmm. And that's where we are right now. There's a judge who's acting impertinently and out of step with normal judicial guidelines and rulings out of jurisdiction to appoint special masters in a case It's just bananas. This is a significant new challenge for the Justice Department because its probe is ongoing, and this could slow it down. The department has long argued that a special master is unnecessary since its own team has already finished its review of evidence. In a 24-page ruling, Judge Eileen Cannon, a Trump appointee, granted the former president's request for an outside lawyer to step in, writing that Trump faces unquantifiable potential harm if more sensitive information is made public. 
The independent reviewer would be directed to examine the documents obtained during last month's FBI search for any issues related to attorney-client or executive privilege. The special master and anyone else working with the special master will have to have the appropriate security clearance. That won't just be a top secret. That will be even higher levels. Mary McCord was a former top official in the DOJ's National Security Division. They can't just ship them by FedEx or deliver them to the special master's office. These will only be able to be reviewed in a secured compartmentalized information facility. So this will probably involve the special master going to the department uh, or to the FBI. Cannon's order sets this Friday as the deadline for possible candidates to be proposed who are acceptable to both sides. But the special master doesn't have final say on what the DOJ can and cannot use in a future criminal case. Just because there's a special master who might say, oh, this document potentially raises executive uh, privilege issues does not mean that the that the criminal investigative team will never get to see those documents. That will just be the start of a process of, OK, is there really a privilege here and is that privilege overcome by compelling interests? The judge's order also bars the Justice Department from further reviewing the evidence collected until the special master's work is done. But it does allow for the continuation of the classification review and intelligence assessments being conducted by the Office of the Director of National intelligence. Over the weekend, Trump continued to claim the search was an abuse of power by the Justice Department. The shameful raid and break-in of my home, Mar-a-Lago, was a travesty of justice. What we are watching right now is whether the Justice Department will appeal the judge's decision. Remember, this investigation has been moving along, delving not just into documents, but into possible obstruction by Trump's team. And yesterday, the department said it is examining the opinion and will consider appropriate next steps. And they have indeed appealed. Mm-hmm. So we, we are awaiting uh, the verdict on that. And from some of the legal experts that I've seen on Twitter, um, they are confident that it will be they will uh, prevail in their appeal because of many different like real rudimentary misunderstandings of the law, especially surrounding executive privilege that Eileen Cannon put on this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, not understanding that, one, Joe Biden's already waived executive privilege. Two, the DOJ is a part of the executive branch. Executive privilege shields things from Congress, uh, from the other branch of government, the other co-equal branch of government. It, this isn't, she just... It really is just her shielding Trump from trouble. Yeah, I mean, Donald Trump appointing her for a lifetime uh, appointment as a federal judge is really paying off for him. Well, especially because she was zero experience, like unbelievably unqualified for the position. I mean, excuse you. She was a member in the Federalist Society. So ding, 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 ding. That's it. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. But in her order granting the request for the special master, she stopped any use of the seized materials from being used in the criminal investigation from the DOJ. So that's part of the problem here is her power to stop the criminal investigation through this order approving the special master. And I... I understand there's a lot of people who are feeling hopeless about this. I mean, when this this came down, you saw a lot of people reacting online, specifically saying that they don't know if Donald Trump is going to be able to face consequences because he is shielded in so many steps of the way here. 
And I think with the DOJ appealing this decision, and like you said, legal experts are saying that they're likely to succeed, hopefully that is promising to a lot of the people that are feeling hopeless that he will ever face consequences. Well, especially for the fact that it's just ridiculous for them not to be able to use the government's property that was taken from his home in the investigation. It's not Donald Trump's property. It's not Donald Trump's property, top secret intelligence on foreign nations' nuclear capabilities. He doesn't own that. That belongs to we, the people. National security and nuclear experts told CBS News if the intelligence was compromised in this case, it has the potential to damage collection methods, even burn sources. The analysts who do not have firsthand knowledge of the Mar-a-Lago records said intelligence describing a foreign government's military defenses, including its nuclear capabilities, can reveal fragile collection methods, such as human sources, electronic surveillance, and spy satellite technology. In the intelligence world, this highly classified information is called compartmented intelligence because the distribution is limited access, highly restricted, and on a need-to-know basis, such as the president, a limited number of cabinet secretaries, and those directly running an operation. The experts said it will be important to know if the military defense intelligence is about an adversary or a friendly nation because gathering on our partners is done but considered extremely sensitive. The Washington Post cites people familiar with the matter, which CBS News has been unable to independently verify. The former president's spokesperson accused the Post of coordinating with the Biden administration in, quote, never-ending leaks. Amory. So because they have no defense of this, they're instead pivoting to the leaks, the leaks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is, I mean, that's just pattern and practice for Donald Trump. The, the, the problem here lies in the fact that so many Americans have gotten so calloused and desensitized to desensitized to to the, the nonstop news cycle with Donald Trump that a lot of people are just kind of lulled to sleep like this is just everyday right, bullshit. Right. And this is not. This is, I mean, listen, after all of the crimes that we've all witnessed Donald Trump commit as president of the United States, after all that was revealed in the Mueller report with obstruction of justice and everything else that we've seen, inciting an insurrection against the United States government, this is the thing they go to. You got to know it's serious when milk toast Merrick Garland finally does something. This has to be a fucking just a, a lock of a case. Right. And even Steve Ducey on Fox News when interviewing Marco Rubio said that this is not something that should be in a post presidential drawer. Good morning. Good morning. You know, you can understand why, uh, you know, when we first heard about this stuff, when we heard, well, maybe it's things like a, a note from Kim Jong-un to uh, President Trump that he wanted to keep his hands on. But then, if true, this Washington Post report, highly classified documents at Mar-a-Lago uh, that only a cabinet-level officer or higher could even look at, that doesn't seem like the kind of thing you should have uh, in your post presidential desk drawer well let's break this down first of all uh, again we, we really don't know because uh, let's go back and understand that all of this information is coming from one side in one place and that is sources with knowledge of the investigation well who are the sources with knowledge of the investigation the FBI and the Justice Department and they are leaking to the media 
So generally, and when there's an investigation by the FBI or Justice Department, they're not even acknowledging there is an investigation, much less leaking. These people every single day are strategically leaking information that can't be rebutted, by the way, or in any way analyzed for a reason. And that's politics, to influence the narrative. And so I'm, first of all, very skeptical of that. I also, the, the whole thing about only cabinet officials could know, that, that's not the way classification works. Classification is based on both the compartment, the way it's classified, at what level, and then the need to know basis. The third thing I would say is that, um, you know, as a member of, of the Gang of Eight, which is the eight officials in Congress with insight yep. to intelligence, we're read into all kinds of things all the time. Never once were we ever approached and told there is this massive, uh, brewing counterintelligence threat to the United States and we want to make you aware of it. And finally, if you read the pleadings and the documents filed by the government themselves, and, and granted, they are heavily redacted, so not even have we seen what's in the redaction, but what you see in there is very early on, the government sent a letter to Trump's lawyer basically saying, we think you are in possession of X number of boxes. It didn't say immediately return those to us. It said, please store them somewhere where they're safe behind lock and key and the like. So if it was really that sort of an urgent problem, why didn't they immediately demand their return? Why didn't they come to the Gang of Eight or the Intelligence Committee heads and say, look, we've got this major problem on our hands? Instead, what we get is these constant leaks. And the only reason to leak to the media is to influence the narrative, which tells you this is being politicized, which is doing damage to the FBI, the Justice Department, to important institutions to our country. I'm sure he would have offered so much help if they had just come to him and said, listen, we're having this problem. Can you help us work it out? The guy who called Donald Trump a con artist during the 2016 campaign is now absolutely bending over backwards and in league with Donald Trump to cover for his crimes, even even when national security is at stake, when Donald Trump is being alleged to be violating the Espionage Act. Mm-hmm. Mr. Flag Waver, Marco Rubio, he'll have none of it. It's about the leaks. Yeah, and again, using the same reasoning that Donald Trump is using about the leaks. That's the go-to rebuttal here. But even how this selective skepticism is is applied to these news stories. So Marco Rubio, he's very skeptical of this. Mm, we'll have to see what happens. I don't know if the Washington Post has it right. But anytime anything comes out about Hunter Biden, I'm oh, sure yeah. he's super skeptical about that as well. <laughs> he's going to have to wait for more information on that. Right, right. Yeah. Well, listen, this is, um, I, I, listen, I'm not given any excuses for why what one thing or another wasn't done. I know that this is working its way through the courts, and we, we'll find out. We're going to, uh, there's no way to influence that with leaks. But the Republican Party right now is absolutely underway. Their plan is underway to impact elections going forward, to impact who they can put in positions of power, both elected and otherwise, and we're seeing that because, speaking of CNN, they just did this expose um, where they are covering this. We, we covered it earlier, um, a, a couple months ago. This team of people that's going from precinct to precinct, training people to interfere, to volunteer to be campaign workers, or to, excuse me, to be poll workers, but actually are there to interfere, to throw a wrench in, or in this case, to be undercover spies at the polls. 
CNN obtained this recording of a Wayne County GOP training session over Zoom the night before the Michigan primary last month. So you're all really undercover agents. Congratulations. That's undercover training. It is extra training, partisan training, not just for volunteers observing elections, but including the actual paid election workers who will check in voters, hand out ballots, even help in the counting, which is why what they are being told is alarming. There's a lot of bad stuff that's happening in upcoming election, so we're going to have to keep our heads on a swivel and just start documenting irregularities. The poll workers are hired by towns and clerks, and Wayne County's Republican chairperson Cheryl Costantino tells them they may need to break the rules to uncover fraud. They were told by their trainers that they could not have their phones with them. So I would say maybe just hide it and maybe hide a small pad and a small pen. You need to take accurate notes. If we are observed with a pen and a piece of paper writing on anything, they, they just said they would they would ask us to, that they would remove us. That's why you got to do it secretly. This training for the primary was just practice for the upcoming midterms, according to Costantino. And it's not just what's being taught, it's who is doing the teaching. We think a lot of the monkey business that's happening is happening at the vote aggregation location. That is election denier Patrick Kolbeck who co-led this training session. He's a former state senator who wrote a book called The 2020 Coup and has a blog filled with debunked conspiracy theories about voting machines. He spread so much disinformation about the 2020 election, he got this cease and desist letter from Dominion, the voting machine company, saying, you are knowingly sowing discord in our democracy, all the while soliciting exorbitant amounts of money. All right, well, first of all, uh, he's appeared on Steve Bannon's show and with the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell. We did see evidence that it was connected to the Internet. There is no evidence any voting machines were connected to the Internet in the 2020 election. But Kolbeck is still asking Republican poll workers to check. There's this little icon down the bottom right hand corner. And what I'm trying to do is to see whether or not these machines are indeed connected to the Internet. Kolbeck refused to speak to CNN, but the other leader of the training, Cheryl Custon, did. You were training these people to be undercover spies. That was the words you were using, and I'm wondering <laughs> why. Well, first of all, if you remember in the election two years ago, there were so many problems. If with election staffing, election she said, with who ago, counted ballots, but she's an election denier, too. She filed a baseless lawsuit in Detroit alleging election fraud in 2020. It was thrown out. Why did she tell election workers to act like spies? To kind of reframe it and make it more fun and interesting. She wanted to make it more fun and interesting. Also, uh, I wrote it down when she said undercover training. She, it wasn't un. It wasn't joking. She was very serious about their undercover training. Absolutely. Yeah. You're doing the same. Oh, no, no. I'm just trying to make it fun for everybody. There were no giggle. There's no, oh, tee, tee, hee. Well, she was being serious. Well, and this reporting goes deeper than the Politico article that we originally talked about in June. If you want to go read that, the title is, It's Going to Be an Army, Tapes Reveal GOP Plan to Contest Elections. This was all about how they are placing operatives as poll workers in order to challenge findings in yeah. in in the elections and this training they called it a partisan training at the beginning the reporter called it a partisan training they are training them to break the rules in bring order- their phones in bring notepads and paper yeah and in order to contest elections 
And this is scary because poll workers are <laughs> supposed to receive actual training to be nonpartisan and to respect the rules when they are there to not be a partisan hack when they're in their yeah. role as a poll worker. But let's let Cheryl Constantino continue. To kind of reframe it and make it more fun and interesting, I said just, you know, instead of causing a bunch of scenes and things like that, just write it down, just kind of be like spies and let me you know, let me know what's going on. While Michigan's primary election went smoothly, I did nothing wrong. A poll challenger affiliated with Colbeck and his training was thrown out of Detroit's ballot counting center for repeatedly getting too close to workers. I told them that they were breaking the law. What's happening in Michigan is happening across the nation. Attempts are underway to make sure the ultra-maga run the election process, from poll workers all the way up to candidates for Secretary of State and Attorney General. Trump attorney Cleta Mitchell has led seminars in eight swing states, all under the presumption Democrats cheat. CNN caught up with her in Wisconsin. We'll be able to make sure that there's um, there's another set of eyes going on, uh, watching the ballots, watching the voting, watching the process, knowing what's going on in the election offices. These uh, training sessions are planned chaos. These people are being radicalized. Jeff Timmer used to lead the Michigan Republican Party. They think they're saving democracy from the cannibal socialists, where in fact what they're doing is eroding the public's faith in, in elections. Jake, Michigan's Secretary of State says her state is ready for any issues that may arise from these partisan training sessions, and the clerks who run the elections can remove anyone violating the rules. But on a more positive note, and there is one here, those same clerks are telling me that most of the distrust of the electoral system is born of ignorance, as we've seen so many times. And when these suspicious workers actually get in there and get their feet wet and see how elections are run, according to the clerks, they generally become believers in the system. Is he kidding me with that last thing? Well, here's the good news. All of these people who are trying to undermine democracy, once they get there, they're going to see that everything's fair and square on the up and up, and they're going to change their minds. Come on. Yeah, I mean, again, this is CNN. Yeah, and the I, new CNN, which already pretty moderate. I thought this was such a promising report, and then they end it like that. Like, why do you feel a need to put a nice little cute bow on this story? Yeah, Rather I mean, listen, th- it's very likely that we're going to see violence. I mean, these people are showing up armed to drag shows. These people are showing up armed to libraries. They're showing up armed to FBI uh, offices. They're showing up armed to Congress. What makes you think they're not going to show up armed to the polls because of their conspiratorial thinking brought upon by Donald Trump and the Republican Party and try to change the outcome that they believe is is justly being suppressed. Well, and again, there was recent reporting from the Washington Post that Georgia's most populous county cannot find a director of elections because of things like this, yeah. because of the scrutiny, because of disinformation campaigns, because of harassment. They're struggling to find people 
who are actually going to do the right thing when they're put into place to be poll workers. Yeah. And that's the scary part of it. We don't need a cute little bow on this. I mean, a recent analysis from 538 found that 60% of Americans have an election denier on the ballot this fall. Yeah. 60% of Americans. They found that out of 540 total Republican nominees running for office, 199 fully denied the legitimacy of the 2020 election. Majority of Republicans believe the election lies. Which is made up out of whole cloth by Donald Trump, who who preemptively, before the election, was saying, if I lose, it's because it was rigged. When he had some of the lowest poll numbers we've ever seen. Who in their right mind thought Donald Trump was going to win in some landslide when he was the most unpopular, divisive president in the history of our country? But don't worry, guys. It's just ignorance. Once they get in there, they really get it figured out. They start talking to people who are really passionate about their civic duties, and they're like, you know what? I should be like them. Yeah. Ugh. Come on. Great. (laughs) That should be a drop. Great. So speaking of great, um, Dr. Oz is on the move, everybody. Mm. Pennsylvania, this race is so important because it's not just uh, a Democrat-Republican. It's picking up a Republican seat that could very likely happen in Pennsylvania. And Dr. Oz, the doctor, the healer, the professional, Lover of humankind, taker of the Hippocratic Oath to do no harm, is now making fun of John Fetterman for having a stroke. The critical state of Pennsylvania is at the center of the political universe this week. He's going to work and fight for Pennsylvania. Thank you. Dr. Mehmet Oz facing an uphill battle to win his Senate race, a loss being a critical blow to Republicans' chances of winning back the Senate. Doctors fix things. I would actively work to change us for the better. Polls are showing Oz trailing Democrat John Fetterman, who campaigned alongside President Biden on Monday night in Pittsburgh, slamming Oz as an outsider. How many homes does Dr. Oz have? Nine, ten, eleven? But Fetterman so far refusing to debate Oz after suffering a stroke in May. John Fetterman is either healthy and he's dodging the debates because he does not want to answer for his radical left positions, or he's too sick to participate in the debate. Can you even imagine that if you had a doctor that was mocking your illness? in a state that Joe Biden won, walking a tightrope. If you had been in the U.S. Senate on January 6th of 2021, would you have objected to the certification of the 2020 election and Joe Biden's win? I would not have objected to it. By the time the delegates and those reports were sent to the U.S. Senate, our job was to approve it, which is what I would have done. But also appealing to Trump loyal voters. I believe in each and every one of you, and so should you. God bless you. Campaigning with the former president at a rally this weekend. This November, we're going to stand up to this rising tyranny of sickness, lawlessness, and death, and we are going to take back our country. President Biden, with his own attacks aimed at Trump. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. 
One of those MAGA Republicans, Doug Mastriano, running for governor of Pennsylvania. He was outside the Capitol on January 6th and has said he would not have certified Biden's win in the state. His Democratic opponent running this ad against him. Body my choice is ridiculous nonsense. Candidate Josh Shapiro telling NBC's Mike Memoli. I'm running against the most extreme and dangerous candidate in the nation. Someone who talks openly about denying women the ability to make decisions over their own bodies. Someone who's talked about rigging the 2024 election already. Now, as these two Republicans, Mastriano and Oz, try to forge their own paths forward, Oz was asked whether he will support his fellow Republican. He said, notably, that yes, he will support Mastriano in the full slate of Republican candidates, but stopped short of saying whether he would actually campaign alongside him or not. For Democrats, this U.S. Senate race is perhaps their best pickup opportunity here. And it's important to note that early voting begins in just a few weeks. So there's been a lot of discussion over John Fetterman refusing to debate or not agreeing to debate Dr. Oz. And Fetterman has committed to one debate with Dr. Oz. In Battleground, Pennsylvania, that Senate race between Democrat John Fetterman, Republican Mehmet Oz. After some heated back and forth on the matter, NBC News has now confirmed that John Fetterman is now committing to one debate with Oz. Fetterman has been recovering from a stroke that he suffered just days before the primary. He says he's been battling issues with auditory processing issues. And as you recall, in the last couple of days, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and some other sort of non-less political entities have been uh, raising some questions about Fetterman's health. So this may not be surprising uh, that they wanted to end that narrative before it was getting traction. I think one of the main entities raising questions about John Fetterman's health is uh, Dr. Oz. Right. That would be... (laughs) Many people are saying, says Chuck Todd. The main one, probably. (laughs) Probably his opponent. Probably floating that out there. So stupid. So... So anyway, listen, if you're in Pennsylvania, get involved. Get involved. Get involved. Get your your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, people on the fucking street. Get people involved to vote for John Fetterman against um, Mastriano for for Josh Shapiro in this race. Uh, Josh Shapiro's not wrong to say that uh, Doug Mastriano is absolutely the most radical. I mean, save a couple of weirdos across the country. He, there is no one is more radical than Mastriano, mm-hmm. and and he'll have the power to appoint his own Secretary of State, which runs the elections in the states. It's an impending fucking nightmare for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. He's so radical that Doctor Oz isn't campaigning with him, but yeah. is saying, "Yeah, I'll vote for him, but yeah. uh, I'm not going to appear with him." Right. Doctor Oz also dropped all the Donald Trump bullshit off of his Twitter account and website as soon as. Uh, as soon as the primary happened or the w- results were announced. And then went to his rally. That's exactly so, right. So, cool. All right. Well, we'd love to know what you think about this. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Taking care of biz. Clara Sorrenti. Clara Sorrenti. Clara Sorrenti is a trans activist who had to leave her home and move across the globe because of online trolls. And after fleeing, turned around and decided to face those trolls directly and take on a hate website that I had I had never heard of before this week yeah. called Kiwi Farms. 
A lot of people um, who cover these hate websites were uh, reluctant to make it public that the, what was going on because they didn't want this website to explode in popularity and they were kind of keeping it under wraps. But yeah, it good work by them. And uh, Kiwi Farms is indeed uh, shut down. Yeah. I went out into the hallway. They told me to put my hands up. Honestly, in that moment, I thought I was going to die. I screamed like as soon as I saw the gun. Clara Sorrenti recounts how online trolls called in a fake emergency sending armed police to her home in Canada, a tactic known as swatting. Over the past month, she's been targeted, harassed and stalked around the globe. I'm so exhausted of having to constantly run. Sorrenti is a trans activist and streamer on Twitch, a platform hugely popular among video gamers. Hello. Earlier this year, when Sorrenti began using the platform to talk about trans rights, she caught the attention of Kiwi Farms, a notorious online forum that has been used to organize transphobic harassment campaigns. The first thing that they did was find the obituary for my dead father and use it to find his memorialized Facebook page. They were able to find a picture of my dad on the front porch of my childhood home and from that use Google Maps and figure out where that was located. After Sorrenti's home in Ontario was swatted, she moved to a nearby hotel, but her harassers tracked her down there, remarkably using this photo of her cat on her hotel bed. They were able to cross-reference what they saw on the bed sheets with every other hotel in the city until they found out that the specific bed sheets only had a pattern in this one hotel that I was staying at. Eventually, she says her Uber account was hacked, allowing the online bullies to track her location. It was then she decided to leave Canada, coming here to Belfast in Northern Ireland to stay with her friend. And I thought that if I got far away and went to a different continent, they wouldn't be able to do the same thing. And then it turned out I was wrong. Somehow, her harassers tracked her down in Belfast. One of them even came to the apartment building she is staying at, taking this chilling photo full of trans slurs and posted it online. Clara was in the middle of a, of a stream on Twitch, and in the middle of it, we find out that on the, uh, on the website 4chan, somebody had posted a picture taken from right around here. People have been trying to get this site offline for nearly a decade. Sorrenti decided to take the trolls on, launching a campaign to get Kiwi Farms taken off the internet. I know that there's always a threat against me as long as I'm standing up for this. The alternative would have been the site keeps going. And not only me, but the countless other victims of this site who get harassed relentlessly every single day would have to continue through that nightmare. Sorrenti called for Cloudflare, a major U.S. internet company, to stop providing cybersecurity services to Kiwi Farms that allowed the site to stay online. Cloudflare initially said no, but then reversed track over the weekend, citing imminent threats to human life. Sorrenti knows getting Kiwi Farms taken offline won't make all her trolls and harassers go away. What is your message to the people who are doing this to you? I don't blame them, really, because... Really? Yeah. They got roped into a hate group. And mm. once you get deep enough inside one of these things, it's really hard to get out. I want to show them more compassion than they've ever shown me. 
Now, Jake, most of us have never heard of companies like Cloudflare, but they play such an important role in keeping uh, a lot of the internet running. What we've seen the past few years is a lot of talk about companies like Facebook and Twitter being held accountable for the decisions they make about hate and violent rhetoric on their websites. This really what Sorrenti is doing here is bringing the new frontier, uh, bringing more accountability to these uh, types of companies. As for Sorrenti, she's going to be staying in Belfast here uh, for a while longer, she says, and will continue campaigning and streaming on Twitch. I had the same reaction to that part of the interview. People getting roped in to hate groups. Yeah, and I mean, if that is healing for Clara to take a compassionate stance and and give them compassion that hasn't been granted yeah. to, to I her, get that. then that's that's good. I mean, that may not be the approach that you or I would take, but that if that's if that's healing then that's good i think the primary reason clara is being featured in this taking care of biz segment is because of the selflessness involved in taking on the site directly and thinking about other people and how the harassment and harm could hurt them yeah and wanting to prevent that and i mean the story about how they found holy shit out where she lived and where she was staying in the hotel and all these i mean cross referencing what she uh, designed i mean these wild. people are fucking demented it is and dangerous terrifying yeah. terrifying and the the unfortunate thing is that the site may be taken down but these people still exist yeah. and i mean who who knows where they're going to place their energies next good for clara taking care of biz absolutely we appreciate you guys we're going to leave you there we'd love your support on patreon we are indeed a listener supported show go to patreon.com slash i doubt it podcast and pick your tier see what's involved we'd love to have you in the patreon family we'll see you next time for britney page i am jesse dollamore and this has been i doubt it